0: Alright, good morning everybody. Hopefully you can hear me. It is Sunday, November 12th at 9.02 a.m. in the morning, and you are all here. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart. Marty Leeds, if you are new here, if you're not, then you know who I am. That's why you're here. Thank you all for being here this morning. Um, We do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And we appreciate everybody that shows up. It looks like we got some people rolling in. That's good. Okay, today we are going to talk about... We're going to get back into the book of Matthew, continue on. Last week we did chapter 22, this week it is chapter 23. And this is called, episode 92 of the Sunday Services, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus Christ's anti-Semitic masterpiece. Yes, that's what I called it. And that's what, it's going up on YouTube and it's going to stay up. They're not going to touch this. You hear me? YouTube. So we're going to just read the New Testament today. And we're going to find out that it is quite, quote unquote, Anti-Semitic, and I'll tell you exactly what that means, and we'll go over, go over everything as we do. Okay, looks like we do got some people trickling, trickling in. So, before we do that, though, let's do a prayer. Whew. This is called Prayer for Guidance and Protection. O oh Lord, our redemption, be our protection. Direct our minds by your gracious presence. Watch over our paths and guide us with your love through the hidden snares of life. Fix our hearts on you as we go forward and following in faith. Arrive at your goal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, pretty good one. Short and sweet, but right to the point. Okay, so today, like I said, we're going to get into the uh, back into chapter... 23, and so we need to do a little disclaimer before we get going in this because um, this whole chapter, as we will find, and if you have your own uh, uh, the Gnostic Church and Academy Bible, or if you have just regular King James Bible at home that has a red letter edition, if you turn to chapter 23 here, you'll see it's all red letters. So pretty much the good portion of this, 99.8% of it or whatever, is all from the mouth of Christ today. Okay, so and then after we find out what Christ says, we might have a whole new outlook at what the New Testament is really all about, but we'll get, we'll get into all that. Okay, so first thing we're going to do is, a little disclaimer here, is we have a <clears throat> the thumbnail there, what we call this live stream is, co- is called uh, Jesus Christ's anti-Semitic masterpiece. So what I mean by anti-Semitism in quotes. I think we've covered this enough, but it's a good thing to talk about here. Anti-Semitism is defined currently, and it's a working definition of Anti Semitism. It's a working definition, which means that they just change the definition however it sees fit to you know for their agenda. So anti Semitism is hostility. This is how it's this is how it's defined hostility to or prejudice against the Jewish people. Now, of course, we know anti Semitism, Semitism is a branch of language, and this doesn't really make any sense. Hence why it has to be a working definition, because if we actually go to the real definitions of those words, we can understand that this working definition is just horseshit. No, it's just a it's literally a made up definition to a word and a word that's being used in order to protect a group of people. It, it literally has nothing to do with Semitism, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we all know this. But anti Semitism, this is comes from Wikipedia, and they even tell you it's the working definition of anti Semitism. We actually read from Donald Trump as well when he did this whole, um, um, he put out this um, announcement or whatever, basically like, oh, we need to protect the Jewish people and stuff like that. And then, you know, we're going off the working definition of anti-Semitism. He even says it, right, in his statement. So, anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews. Okay, well, you can have a certain perception of all sorts of things, right? So, what is that certain perception? And then it says, comma, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. Well, as we know, Jesus Christ does not hate, So if we're reading the Red Letter Edition, chapter 23, of course, right from the mouth of Christ, and anybody comes along and says, oh, you're trying to hate. That's Christ, dude. He doesn't hate. There is no hate in him. And and as followers of him, we're supposed to do the same. So hate speech, anti-Semitism, white supremacy, once again, little, little caveat to get us going here. We're not doing any of that shit today. All we're doing is following the Lord and Savior. We're going to read right from the book, and we're going to listen to exactly what he has to say. And what we're going to find out is that Jesus Christ in the entire New Testament, quote-unquote, has a certain perception of Jews. And that certain perception is not good, not good, okay? Not hatred, though. What you'll find out, according to this, quote-unquote, working definition of anti-Semitism, hostility or prejudice against Jewish people, is Christianity, It's what it is. All all the Christians out there that I see, especially these churches that are like pro-Israel and stuff like that, or these alleged Christians that don't want to touch this subject, well, you're not being very Christly. Let's just say it. And Jesus Christ will show you very clearly that you're not following, you're not taking up your cross. You're not denying yourself and taking up your cross. This shit needs to be called out and Christ is going to do it for us. And all we're going to do is read along. It'll be fun. (laughs) So Christianity, by definition, by their definition, is anti-Semitism. But it's a definition that works. (laughs) It's not a working definition of anti-Semitism. It's a definition that works. It calls these people out for exactly what they are. All these... um, there's a lot of new age people out there that are doing this whole like, oh, your external world just reflects your internal world and anytime you see evil in the world, that's just your interior working. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Don't get me wrong. Carl Jung all day long, you know I'm a you know I'm a big fan. But at the end of the day, not everything in your world is is a problem internally with you. When Jews go to cut the throat of a, of a cow in a kosher style that is completely inhumane and savage and sick and psychopathic, completely immoral and unethical, that has nothing to do with my internal world. The only thing my internal world does is sees that and says, that's fucking sick, and I call it out. So this so that that whole thing I get it I understand what you're saying and I empathize and I actually agree with a lot of that sentiment. But you know what there are things in our external realities that do become a problem and guess what don't listen to Marty Leeds or any of these new age quacks that you'll find all over Instagram and YouTube and shit like that listen to your savior because he'll tell you he'll make it he'll as we will see today he will make it crystalline clear and he will clear the air for all these people that seem to be lost why this is so important that we're talking about this today, why we're reading from Matthew chapter 23 today and listening to our Lord and Savior is because there is a bunch of Hebrews right now that are committing genocide upon a people. That is happening, okay? Now, we could talk about our internal worlds and how this is reflected in the external. Yes, I agree. But at the same time, we have to deal with a, an issue. And this is not all psycho babble, damn nonsense. As you'll see from Christ today, he comes out and is very harsh with these people. So if YouTube, you want to take this down, all you're going to do is tell us that it's not about really like white supremacy or hate speech or any of that bullshit. That's not it at all. If you take this down, we just know that you're anti-Christ. Well, we know that anyway. Leave it up, take it down, it doesn't matter. But when they say anti Semitism, what they really mean is Antichrist. When they say hate speech, what they really mean is Antichrist. When they say white supremacy, what they really mean is Antichrist. They're trying to make all of these definitions and all these different words to actually get around the fact that they hate Christians, they hate Christianity, and they want to destroy it. That's the truth. Like it, don't like it, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is something that um, good, good good, bud there, Mark Brotherson, posted on one of the last live streams, and I pinned the comment because it's unbelievably profound, okay? And it gets right to the core of what we're talking about today. Mark says this, he says, Of all the mystical teachings and religions, Jesus is always venerated or feared. Look at, look at, look at, you'll find this to be true. Even if Christ isn't their main guy, they acknowledge him in his stature. It's true. We just talked about this with the Quran. They see Christ as a prophet. You don't see Buddhists going around being like, we need to destroy Christ. No, you don't see that. You don't see them, Satanists, taking down pictures of the Buddha or Krishna or Muhammad or Thor. It's always Jesus. Why? Because he is indeed the word, our Lord and Savior. White magic for life, just another way of saying thy will not mine, be done. God bless all of us. Amen, Mr. Brotherson. Well said. Why, is it, why do they hate Christ so much? Why do they hate Christ so much? Because Christ specifically called out evil. Christ specifically went after, came specifically for what? The Jews. That's who he was there to teach to because they needed it the most. And he, as we'll see today, he railed against them. Buddha did not do this. Krishna did not do this, and Muhammad did not do this, and neither did Thor. All you Norse people that think you're all tough and shit like that, be like, I got Thor, he's a real man, this is a, you know, but bullshit. Christ came out and just destroyed evil. And that's what we'll see today. That's why he's hated. Because Christ not only came as the Savior, the light, the truth, and everything for mankind, but he did one better he went into that, quote-unquote, external reality and called out the serpents and then left that message for us, which is exactly what we need today while Gaza is being genocided. So Matthew 23 is known as the woes of the Pharisees. It's the seven woes, and it's a chapter, this entire chapter, where Jesus accuses the Pharisees of hypocrisy, of course. He, he, as you will see, he accuses them of, of being in a generation of devil worshipers. It's exactly what he says. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he meant. Um, so we'll see that this is called the woes of the Pharisees, and there's seven woes. Why seven? I think we know that, but we'll get into that in just a second. What we're going to see is, even even through all this red letter, this is highly Kabbalistic, and I'll show you. So, so let's get into it. Matthew 23, chapter, or uh, numero uno. Then spake Jesus, Jesus the Word, he speaks. Do you know what a, do you know what, um, when you talk about the Word and Aries, the Lamb, the Ram, and that sort of thing? Do you know what that, you know what a, a, a group of, of like rams is called? It's called a herd. It's called a herd, as if they heard the Word, right? Okay, so then, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So there's a seat that's, that's given to Moses up on high, right? And instead of keeping it for Moses, what do these scribes and Pharisees do? They take the seat themselves. Ah, this is for me. We, we have the knowledge of Moses, the great law, and you don't, and we're just going to sit, we're just going to go and place our bottom in his seat. Right? So, and this is, and, uh, let's go on. Uh, and all therefore whatsoever they bid and observe, that observe and you do. But do not ye after their works... For they say and do not." So what is this saying? Whatsoever they bid you observe, and you observe and do. That means essentially this saying that, hey, they have the law, right? This, In this sense, the law was given by, through Moses, and I'll explain this in just a second, right? For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we have the law by Moses, like, ah, oh, do this, and do that, and yada, 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 and these are your rules, and blah, 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 blah. But guess what? Grace through those laws, and truth. The way, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The way, as we know, is that, that, you know, that ultimate, the Tao, the fluid way, right? So in order for us to actually understand that law, there must be a grace. There must be a fluid, Taoistic way to that law in other, in other to, other, to make it you know, actually realized in this world. So these people that sit in Moses' seat, they're saying that they, that, you know, in this sense, he's saying, oh, abode by, or abide by that, excuse me, abide by the what they're doing, but not, do not follow what they do. In other words, abide by what they say, but not follow what they do, because they don't actually follow the law. So what we're going to see, the law of Moses is, is, well, of course, we have the exoteric understanding of this. That's so the Ten Commandments. And then you have the esoteric understanding of this, which is what? What do those Ten Commandments mean? Um, What do they represent? It's the ten emanations of God. Okay. There's always an exoteric and esoteric explanation for these things. Okay. So they boast of the law, but they don't follow it. This is Romans two, right? Thou make, thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. That's that's what's happening. They boast of the law, but they don't actually follow it. And this is exactly what he's saying. For they say, and do not. Okay? Now, when you say, well, we're supposed to follow the Moses law, aren't they? Blah, 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 blah. No, you forgot. Moses also broke those tablets. If any, if any of you have ever done any sort of perusal, even reading through the Old Testament, and you, you'll find that what is it? It's story after story after story about how Jews were supposed to do one thing, and they didn't follow the law, and then God got pissed. Moses, the dude that actually Kabbalistically received the law from God, said the same thing about his own people. That's why he, literally the tablets in which he etched on, he broke. What is this saying? That's just, this telling you that that's exoteric and external, if you will, and that the laws are actually written on our hands. They're they're written in our hearts, as we know. Okay? So, it's clear that, hey, They were not following the law, but they boasted of the law, for they say and do not. This is a huge problem in the world. And this is ultimately, it's saying, hey, you got to make your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. But yet let your communication be yay, yay, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Sorry for the background noise. We got a heater going. We're living in a tent. It's cold. It is what it is. We're still doing a service because people need a church service, whether they know it or not. So let your communication be yay, yay, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. We're actually dealing with this right now. The reason that you don't have a, a, a comic, or a, excuse, <clears throat> now people are honking at us. The reason that you don't have right now in your hands a children's book is because we were dealing with people that said, yeah, 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 I'll do it, yeah, 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 and then never came through, and then we gave them an out. We say hey, if you can't do it, that's fine, just let us know because we have people waiting. I want to make my yeses be yes. And I say, hey, we're going, have a, we're going to have a children's book. We're going to have a children's book. And then I, I gave it to other people and said, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happened? No, no, no. It's what actually makes a man. This is actually what makes a man. A man is only as good as his word. And there's actually several people recently that we've cut off communication with specifically. Because they said yes numerous times. There's one guy that I was, I was supposed to do work with for over two years now. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll lay that track for you. Yeah, I'll do this. Nothing ever came of it. So I said, okay, you tell, you're showing me by your actions exactly who you are. A man is only is as good as his word, period. And what I mean by his word, it's not just what you say. It's also the follow through. And this is actually what makes a man. And this is, this is what Jesus is exactly railing against. All those Hebrews are saying, yeah, 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 we got it. And really, they mean no, 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 no. And that's the magic, the black, dark magic that they're putting out into the world. What makes a man? It's, not, it's the choices he makes. Not how he starts them, but how he finishes them. When you say you're going to do something, do it. If you're, if, and if you can't just say no. But if you're one of these people that say, yeah, 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 yeah. And then what you present is no, 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 no. It's, this is one of the first things that Jesus is railing against. And we've learned the lesson now that, oh, okay. And this is funny because this is what... Um Whiskey had posted in our in a Telegram group, and she's saying, hey, uh, yeah, some, it's, sometimes it's hard to determine whether somebody's full of shit or not. My mom had a few common sense one-liners. It always comes out in the wash. It's a pretty good one. Be patient. The cream rises to the top. I don't know if you noticed that, but the cream is rising to the top lately <laughs> in the, in the truth her movement, if you will. And the best advice is this. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. With these people that I'm talking about, I should have believed them the first time. The first time they said yes, and then they actually meant no, and they filled our ear holes full of bullshit, I should have just known right then and there, oh, that's who you are. I don't care how many followers you have, how much money you have, how many children you have. That's not what makes a man. A man is a man when he says yes and means yes. And when he says no, he means no. He doesn't fiddle-fuddle around. This is what the Jews do all the time. For they bind heavy, this is what Jesus continues on and says, number four, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They put all the work on the Gentile and the goyim. Backbreaking work, you build the nation and we'll just, we'll just, you know, uh, benefit from all the work that, that, that you've done, we'll tax you to death and we'll, you know all this sort of stuff, and then we'll just take it through all means necessary because guess what? As we're going to find out, one of the biggest things that Jesus is railing about in this whole chapter is about how these people do not see you as equal and that God literally requires one thing of you to see each other as equal. And people don't want to talk about this I don't get invited to podcasts and conferences because it's just too hot of a topic. What? Talking about the fact that people are, there's a religion out there that doesn't see you as equal. We're, we're not supposed to talk. That, that's going to offend too many people. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit who is offended? Marty's hot this morning. Can you tell? They do, they, you, they make you do all the work. They receive all the benefit of it, but they won't move themselves one finger. But let's talk about one finger quick. <laughs> Three becoming one, that's what your finger is. It's a representation of the Trinity. It's the three phalanges becoming one finger. So just, just kind of a funny little note there. It's like, they won't do anything for the divine. They won't lift one finger for the actual, actual divinity, which is recognized in every single human being. Good or bad, evil or godly, the divine spark is within all. Jews don't see it that way, and that's what this whole thing is about. you do all the work, we'll receive the benefits. Five, but all their works they do for to be seen of men, and they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of the garments, of their garments. They make broad their phylacteries. This is basically, they they do everything to be seen of men instead of seen of God. To do everything for what? For God, for the glory of God, because it's the right thing to do. They don't do that. They do it so they could see, oh, look what we're doing. Look what we're doing. Um, before, actually, before we get into that, let me just say this. When they talk about, um, sorry, this is a little bit out of order here. When they talk about, oh, we're not going to lift one finger, you're going to do all the work. This is what Jews have been throughout history. They'll tell you themselves. Jews are not confined solely to middlemen roles, though many of the roles Jews occupy do, can be seen in such a metaphorical sense. Okay, They're middlemen. They're the in-between guys. You do all the product and stuff like that. Then there's the, the, the people, you know, the consumers that want to buy that. I'll get in the middle, raise everything, and then I won't actually do any of the work. Um, this is what they've been throughout history. Middlemen specialize in performing crucial activities involved in the purchase and sale of goods, right, in their flow from the producers to the ultimate buyers. When really, more back in olden days, what? It would just be the producer to the buyer, that sort of thing. He's an intermediary. Well, as we're going to see, when we're talking about spirituality here, when we're talking about the spirit, well, there, you don't need an intermediary. We have Christ. and We'll get into that. Okay? This is why they're called merchants. So from the ADL website, it says, Oh, the happy merchant is an anti-Semitic mean depicting a drawing of a Jewish man. With heavily stereotyped facial features, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, we know of this. He's called the Happy Merchant. Why did Why did William Shakespeare call his his um, play The Merchant in Venice, which is literally quote unquote an anti-Semitic play? Because this is how they've always acted throughout history, and they're doing it now. They're not lifting a finger. They're in finance. They don't actually produce anything. They just move money around. Mass immigration, they don't actually, they just move people around. Porn, they just make your daughter, you know, whatever, dance in front of a camera and then sell it. That's it. Media, what do you think? They're taking actual information and then distorting it and then giving it to you. What, a jeweler, right? Of course, what, you know, when you talk about diamond merchants and things like that, right? This is, what, this is the role that they play. And then, then he says this. Sorry. And he says this, uh, they make broader phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. What are they saying there? They're trying to make themselves bigger and badder than they actually are. This is what animals do when they puff up their feathers. When it's, when it's like a, a parrot or owl or a feral cat, whatever, parrots will try to make themselves appear larger by puffing up in hopes that they will scare their predators. You see the cats do this, all sorts of things. They'll puff themselves up to make them look bigger. It's, a sign of the, it's their sign of superiority and not backing down, especially in their territory. So once again, what are they saying? They're enlarging the borders of the garments. They're trying to make themselves look superior. That's what he's saying. They're not, of course, as we'll see in the rest of this. So what is the phylactery? So it says here, let's go back here. It says the phylactery... Make broad, they're phylacteries. What is a phylactery? This is an important thing to know because this is Kabbalistic. It's what it is. And this is why I say it's so important to understand Kabbalah. Teflon. It's called the Teflon or the Teflon strap. And what it is, is it's two cubes attached to a strap that is wrapped around your arm. Seven times, seven times it is. Okay, let's get into this. So phylacteries are a set of small black leather boxes with leather straps containing scrolls of parchment inscribed with verses from the Torah. That's what they're in those little boxes there. Teflon are worn by adult Jews during uh, weekday and Sunday prayers. So there's the Teflon strap. This is the phylacteries. So in case there's any question about who Jesus is specifically talking to here, well, he just said the people that sit in those Moses' seat, scribes and Pharisees, and then they're wearing phylacteries. He's not talking about the Hindus here. He's not talking about the atheists, and he's not talking about the pagans. Okay? How in the world did Christianity miss this for the last how many hundreds of years or whatever it is? Maybe not that long, but you get my point. How is this even missed? So that's a phylactery. It's called the Teflon. It's a mitzvah that binds your heart, your mind, and your actions together into a single wholeness, wrapped up inextricably with the one who spoke and the world came into being. So, once again, when Jesus is saying, Oh, observe all the things that they observe. Oh, absolutely. Do we want to bind our heart and our mind and actions together into single wholeness? Absolutely, we do. Do we want to wrap ourselves inextricably up with the one who spoke the world into being? Absolutely, we do. Absolutely. Now, are we going to follow them that do that? No, because they say one thing and do another. And because of that, everything that cometh from them is evil. Phylactery is during prayer. There it is. And you can see it's two cubes. We'll get into that. It's two cubes. There's one cube that puts right on your What? right on your third eye, that's exactly where, right, it's your forehead, right, and then there's one that put, that's put on your arm, and it's, it's, it's uh, one is tied to the arm, and the other's placed on the head, and one is, is, is points towards the heart, the one on the arm points towards the heart, so it's the heart and the mind wrapped up in, in the hand, in the arm, as we'll see, okay, so this is, you know, your classic, you know, Shlomo Goldstein there, and he's reading from the Torah, and he's got his cubes, okay. So now when they wrap this on the, on the arm, they, you can see they wrap it seven times. Where is this one here? Let me show you this. They, ooh, where is it? Sorry. Uh, they wrap it seven times. They wrap it three and four. They wrap it three times and then four, ultimately becoming seven. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into that too much, but I think a lot of people know the, the, the power of three and four. Um, uh, I, I don't want to go into that too much, but... Uh, so there it is, ultimately equals seven. It, they wrap it all the way up to that box, right, that's on the arm. And do you know what's inside that box? Excuse me, what the name is outside of that box? It's Shaddai. It's the name of God. There's El Shaddai, Shaddai, that sort of thing. But on that, on that cube, on that box, is the name of God, and it's Shaddai, and it's Shin Dalet and Yod. And do you know what it equals? It equals 314. It equals 314. So they bind their, their body and their mind and their heart and all that sort of thing inextricably with the one. And they wrap it around seven times. They wrap it around their arm. We'll get to that. And then it leads right to pie. Huh. All of this stuff, by the way, is all in Christianity. And this is exactly what he says. This is exactly what he says. Observe what they're doing, but don't do what they do. Because <laughs> they're liars. All of them. So there's the arm that you wrap it around, and it's called the phylactery. That's what it's called, right? They call it the Teflon in English or in Greek, which would be translated to phylacteries. Phi is the, is the first phonetic, phi. Well, you wrap it around your arm, and as you guys know, what is your arm? It's a representation of phi. It's your whole hand is one, and the rest of the arm is 1.618, there's an absolute reason they're doing this. So in other words, they bind their heart and their mind and they're everything like that in inextricable wholeness with the one, they wrap their arm, which is phi, that leads to what? Pi. Two mathematical constants and the holiness of the number seven completely wrapped up in all of this, as well as what? Two cubes, two cubes, two cubes. Interesting. Do you know what the hand was called? Or the, uh, what the, what the, that arm length is called that you know, encodes phi? Back in the Dizé, it was called the cubit. You see? It's called a cubit. You see what's going on here? I'll say this again. I'll say this again. Adam, Adam Green, where are you, bro? So, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts. And we'll get back into the cubes in just a second because this, this will be directly encoded mathematically in the verses. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats and synagogues. So okay, so well, well, where are they? Right, <laughs> they're at. They're, they're. It's a synagogue. Okay, clearly, we're, we're Jews worship at synagogues. Okay, and they love to be the big boy. They love to be the chief priest. They love to be the king. They love every. They love the adulation and the red carpet fucking rolled out for them. Oh, rabbi, rabbi, you're so amazing, right? No humility, none. You, do you Are you gonna see a rabbi living in a tent in a shed? No. No, they're going to they're take money off the backs of the hard people of the world. Seven, and greetings in the markets and to be called of men. Rabbi, Rabbi, oh, Rabbi, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. So intelligent. You know how many Christians do this? Look around your town and see how many Catholic or churches or Protestant, or whatever it is, are having rabbis come and speak about what's going on in Israel. And those Christians will be like, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi, oh, you're so, you're so good. You see this all the time. (laughs) Pope Francis and Rabbi Skorka, they forged a deep relationship. Rabbi Schneider wants to ask us, are you truly a Christian? Why are you asking us that, Rabbi? Oh, Rabbi, look, oh, you guys know this guy, Tovia Singer? This guy is a unbelievable demon. Holy shnikes, this guy. Just look at him. Look at him. (laughs) <laughs> so this guy outreach Judaism. He spends his time talking about Christians about how their New Testament doesn't make any sense. But he's got the you know the the old ways. Of, those new those Christians are not reading their New Testament where it specifically says from Christ. Hey Rabbi Rabbi or you know Rabbi, watch out for these people. This is what they do all the time. A rabbi who has dedicated his career to Catholic-Jewish relationships will be knighted by the Vatican. Pope Francis, you know, friend Rabbi Abraham Skorka, etc. Of course, we covered that one. But, you know, Rabbi Arthur Kahn speaking at his church conference next week. You know how I, I people had told me this, that during this whole Israel conflict thing, it's not even a conflict, the whole genocide of the Palestinian people, that whole thing, that rabbis were coming to their church and promoting Israel. And then a bunch of those people were like, yeah. This is exactly what Jesus Christ is entirely railing against. Read your Bible, people. <clears throat> but be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all your brethren, all your brothers, every single one of you. <laughs> Dark-skinned, skin, light light-skinned, the eastern, western, of, you know, where. W- Go around the world. You're all brothers. You all share the spark of God within you. But there's some people that don't believe this. And it's insane that people don't want to talk about it. For one is your master, even Christ. There's only one God. And it's the God above all things. It's the transcendental nature of God, right? Then it says this. And this is who you're supposed to worship. And then it says, and call no man father upon your earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. There's only one God. There's the father of all being, right? And so a lot of people that read this, literalist, was like, you're not supposed to say father and blah, 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 blah. Obviously, this is esoteric. Obviously, obviously this is esoteric. And it's saying exactly what we said last, last week about taxes and jurisdiction. Know your authority. Who's your authority? It's your master, it's your leader, it's who authored you. That's the Father in heaven. That's why he says, call no man father but God. This is what it means. It's an esoteric statement to say, there is no authority over you except God Almighty. <clears throat> Neither be you called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Okay? Okay? Now, once again, now, now people rip on this too, like because like well, what Masons, they call it Master Mason, and therefore they're the master. No, they don't. They don't worship the master at the lodge, right? Would you say the same thing about a master carpenter? how about a master electrician if you had a master i had a master electrician come to our house and do our electric but should i like you know not call him a master electrician obviously these are esoteric statements people literalize it then they look at masonry or something like that and like see they call a master and then they worship the devil and everything like that well i think we've put that to bed not that that many people in the truth community are listening anyway so whatever but at least you guys are this is esoterica okay Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master even Christ. This is the, oh, by the way, this is this is the synagogue. Let me talk about this a second, sorry. Synagogue, where do they worship? Sin uh, Gog. Gog is a symbolic name for some future Antichrist. Gog is also a mountain. So it's essentially where an, a, the, a coming Antichrist, the future Antichrist, is going to be. It's a mountain of sin. <laughs> That's what a synagogue is. That's what a synagogue is. Okay, so back here. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Here's the gematria for that. Now, we just talked about the fact that, hey, the teflon strap and the phylacteries and phi and pi, and there's two cubes. There's two cubes on that teflon strap. And here, Jesus Christ is saying, ah, you guys are taking yourselves as masters. You're sitting in Moses' seat. There's only one master, and that's Christ. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Everybody see that? You can double-check that. That is the gematria total for this. So, in the story, Jesus just told you about the phylacteries. Right? About the Teflon strap and the flactories, and what is that? It's two cubes. And then we hear, we see here, it's neither be you called masters for one is your master even Christ equals two hundred and sixteen. Do you know what two hundred and sixteen is? It's six times six times six. It actually is a representation of the cube. There's six sides of a cube. When you cube something, you you multiply it by three. Six times six times six. Okay? So the cube is represented by 6 around 1, if you will. The cube is also 2, 1, 6, 0 degrees. And what's 6 times 6 times 6? It's 216. So as he's telling you about 2 cubes, specifically mentioning the phylacteries, he goes through all of that, and then they give you the math for it. Specifically. Does everybody see that? 216... Six times six times six is 216. It's a representation of the cube, 2160 degrees. It's just 216 times 10. Okay, why is that? Why are they doing that? Because there's only one master and that's the master in God and that's the, ma- that's the you know, master, of the father in heaven, the almighty father, that's it. That's your authority, full stop. And so where does he exist? In a cube, that's where his city is. We've talked about this numerous times. Hence why this stuff becomes so important Because people see cubes all over the world, and they immediately think of Satanists. That's what they want you to think of, instead of thinking the Almighty God. And the people are like, why are they obsessed with cubes? Because that cube is pointing to exactly where Christ is that gives you the power to understand who your authority is. And not only that, to help you understand who the fucking wicked people in this world are. Let's show you this. Everybody get that. I want to show you this. This is some gematria, so you can find out where the paradise is. The paradise, the paradise, the paradise. One, two, three, four, five, six. The six sides of the cube equals 103. There's two cubes on the Teflon strap, one on the head and one on the arm. One that points to the third eye, one that points to the heart. I'll leave this on the screen. One, two, three, four, five, six. You can see the gematria total equals 103 for one die. What well, that means when you have the pair of dice, the paradise, the paradise, the paradise. That equals 206. Everybody see that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 is 103. You get two cubes, and that's 206, 206. And, of course, there are 206 bones in the human body. So all of this stuff that's literally pointing to within you, the cube that's, you know, that the God within you, that eternal spark, that divine spark that exists within all beings that the Jews do not see that that way. Here's the math to point that out. English is a sacred language. I'm here to show you that. There's the pair of dice. It's a paradise. It's a pair of dice. It's a paradise. Ah, it's the paradise. That's where we want to return to, right? And then we have to say, well, we have to go within. Mathematically backed up. Luke 23:43. This is the last words of... Jesus, seven last sayings of Jesus. Why seven? Why seven? Seven last sayings of Jesus when he's on the cross. The cross. Wait, doesn't a cube unfold into a cross? It does. Um, This is what he says. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise in paradise. This is one of the last things that Jesus says while he's hanging on the cross. Once again, let's do some math. Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Do you see what that equals down there? 207. Well, you know that one of the things that we, one of the common rules of gematria, even in, even in Hebrew gematria. It's actually where I, one of the places that I learned it you can add or subtract one to get to your total. There's no bullshit here. This is just, I'm just laying the math out, all from a sevenfold cipher. Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. 207. Take one away from that. What do you have? You have 206. 206. 207 minus one The rule of kollel, accounting for one. And we've talked about this before. What's the one that you have to account for? Yourself. Yourself. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So, the city of God is a cube. Six times six times six is 216. We see one through six is 103. You do that twice to account for the pair of dice. And you get the 206 bones of the human body. And this is exactly where, w- w- what this whole chapter is about, that God exists within every single human being, that the spark of God exists right in the center of your heart. That's what keeps you alive. One more thing here. So there it is, 207. See that? Everybody like that? Isn't that tasty? Isn't that tasty and delicious? Um, further confirmation that what, what I'm saying is absolutely mathematically c- confirmed of uh, Jesus, when you multiply Jesus, it's four thousand three hundred twenty. Will the degrees of both of those die or four thousand three hundred twenty? Jesus is saying, <clears throat> "You have your one Father in heaven and your Master, which is Christ. Neither any Master but Christ, right? And and if you follow Him, you will return to paradise." You'll return to that place that the original sin happened, and you'll go back into that paradise. You'll go back into the orchard as they call it in, in the in the Hebrew or Hebrew Kabbalah, um, and you return and unite with God. This is a picture, several pictures of paradise. And I want you I want to ask you guys, what do you see there? As you can see, there's, you know, there's Jesus and he's he's ah I'll be gone with you, Adam and Eve. You ate from the tree and stuff. What do you see there? Looks like a pie, doesn't it? Marty might be onto something here. There's a pie, huh? Look at that. There's another one. You see? You see? You see? Uh, pie is encoded in the dice, too. We're not going to go over that today. But it's there if you'd like to find it. Then it, then it says this. 11, 23, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. You want to be great in this world? Serve people. The greatest the greatest position that you can have, all the money, all the wealth, all the fame, all of that sort of stuff, forget it all. You want happiness? You want health in your world? You want to be great? Serve humanity. Serve people. Educate them. Uplift them. Inspire them. Show them by your works. Make your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. That's how you do it. The greatest among you shall be your servant because the greatest among you is serving God, which means it's serving. He, you are serving humanity. This is why I opened this church. I couldn't find happiness any other way. The greatest station you can achieve in life is to serve others, period. Jesus makes it clear that greatness is shown by service to mankind. That's specifically what he's saying here. This is also, it's, it, this is requiring you to take action. Service to others is charity. This is why the, new, the, the King James Bible, when it says... It says, um, you know, the the, the three great virtues, right? Faith, hope, and charity. It's not, and even though charity is synonymous with love, they don't use the word love. They use faith, hope, and charity. Why? Because charity is love in action. Charity is specifically giving to other people. It's one of the great virtues. Okay? Think about it this way what he's saying is if you you know you you want to serve people it's going to take action this is what a proverb is most people think that the the book of proverbs is actually it's just a book of nice philosophy and you know like some good reading and stuff like that but the book itself is telling you to take action in your world proverb a uh, proverb is a short pithy saying in general use stating a general pith, a truth or piece of advice so but a verb is what it's an action state or occurrence So when you break up literally fanatically, proverb, proverb, pro meaning you're for taking action. That's what a proverb is. So when you read a proverb, it's not just I'm gonna read this proverb and I'm gonna lay my head down at night and go to sleep and it's gonna sound all nice. No, that proverb is there for you to specifically take action in your world to bring charity into the world, to be in service to others. And when you do that, God will see that and he'll be like, I'm gonna give you information. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna be my conduit now. I'm just gonna flow. Right the fuck through you, dude. <clears throat> 23, 12. This is a big one, and this is one that catches a lot of people. Okay? Ready for this? And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. How many people exalt themselves all the time? And when you exalt yourself, guess what? You can actually be quote-unquote successful. You can get followers and money and, and fame and likes and shares and people that think you're awesome and all this other stuff by exalting yourself, by talking about how awesome you are all the time. Oh, I'm awesome. I'm just killing it. right? Exalting yourself here can give you success in the material. It can absolutely, but it will not help you in the immaterial. That's not my opinion. That's Jesus Christ saying that. In the physical, you can talk about how awesome you are, and people be like, yeah, he's talking about how awesome he I'll follow him and listen to him and stuff like that. doesn't matter how truthful you are or whatever, but you exalt yourself, and you can have quote-unquote success. But that's not going to help you in the metaphysical. That's not going to help you in getting into heaven, if you will. And this is exactly what he means. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. A lot of times, these people that exalt themselves—it's a—it's a—it's a cover. Ego is often a cover for insecurity. I don't know if you guys know this. When somebody goes around talking about how awesome they are, them, <laughs> you know, or whatever, a lot of times it's they're hiding something, or a lot of, or it could be that people, or they could just have, you know, their heads so full of nonsense that they believe their own bullshit for far too long. This happens all the time. Okay. What is humility? Humility is is of course humility is the quality of being humble, lowness, small stature, uh, baseness you know, lowly, that sort of thing, on the ground, literally on the ground from hummus, earth, okay? So what does this mean? On the ground, that means you are on the level with everybody. You've humbled yourself. You don't think that you're lower down in hell, and you don't think you're like the Hebrews who think that they're just, you know, elevated above all of humankind, and we are, we, ha- we sit in Moses' seat, and we receive the law, and it's all of ours because of some bloodline and my, whatever, Right? No, you're on the ground. You see everybody as equal. Every single human being on earth has the divine spark within them, even your enemy. Guess where I learned this? Freemasonry. Freemasonry. Again, truth community, shit in the bed. <laughs> Gotta say it. There's nothing else I could say, man. Freemasons, this is what on the level means. People think they're hiding the flat earth. No, keep reading. Never over, never under, always on the level. This means I'm on the level with you. I recognize that we're both here on this flat, stationary, beautiful, God's beautiful green earth here that's flat. And we're on the level. I see you as equal. I don't put myself above you. I don't put myself under you. Never over, never under, always on the level. This is what Masons demand of you, to see everybody. And this is why they allow all religions in. Well, except Judaism, They're actually, and the lodges of old used to kick out Jews. Why? Because they didn't see this this way, this way. Look it up. Talked about it before. Mean on the level, part on the square. Masonry is not the problem. It's the solution. Masonry, let me say this again. Freemasonry is not your enemy. It's actually the solution. Because Freemasonry is the one that was trying to pass on all of this deep information that we're unveiling in the Bible today. Hence why I said many times over the years if you like what you're listening to at the Marty Leeds, you know, the Gnostic Church and Academy here, at some point, you're going to have to go shake hands with a Freemason. You meet on the level and you part on the square. You meet on the level. You see one another as equal. And this is what humility is all about. And this is what I actually learned working at jobs over the years, right? Like a lot of the bosses I had, most of the bosses I had were actually really, really cool. So I was blessed in in that sense. But I have worked with people that were CEOs or whatever that they just thought that their shit didn't stink. They just thought that they were better than, you know, the people that they were in charge and shit like that. Well, guess what, dude? If it weren't for the quote unquote underlings under you, you wouldn't have a business, which means that any of those CEOs or whatever that think that they're all stuffy and better and shit like that, they're, they're, they're lost. They're, they're in, they're in the, they got their head full of rabbits, if you will. They have to pull a rabbi out of their head. Okay. You treat the janitor with the same respect as the CEO, because without both the shit don't work. And that's humility. That's seeing people as equal. I might get preachy, but I never, ever see myself as better or worse than anybody. I'm preaching because I have things to say. Seek God daily, but seek him in your heart, not outside of it. And when you find him, stand with fear and trembling like the cherubim and the seraphim, for your heart has become a throne of God. But in order to find God, become humble as dust before the Lord. For the Lord abhors the proud, whereas he visits those who are humble in the heart. Wherefore, he says, to whom will I look but to whom that is meek and humble in heart? Well, I don't know how else to say it, but God has visited me and the humility of my heart. And hence the only reason I can do any of this shit. Rudolf Steiner has something to say about humility as well. The humility, those who are lower than we are and at those whose expense we have been able to rise must be present everywhere in the world. If a plant were able to think, it would thank the minerals for giving it the ground in which it can lead a higher form of life. And the animal would have to bow down before the plant to say, and to say, to thee I owe the possibility of my own existence. In the same way, every man should recognize what he owes to all the rest of nature. So also in our society, A man holding a higher position should bow before those who stand lower and say, but for the diligence of those whose labor on my behalf, I could not stand where I do. That's, that, my friends, is called true Christianity. Where am I? Where am I going? I lost myself. Sorry, give me one second here. Too many graphics. Too many graphics all the time. Oh, there we are. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Now he goes on to the seven woes. This is where he gets on to the seven woes. Why seven? I think you guys know. So he basically just literally bitches out the Jews. This is what he's doing. When we talk about scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, we all know who the hypocrites are. We'll revisit it here. The scribes are people that were scribbling, scribing the Torah. So once again, Christ batting a thousand, not mincing words. Okay, 2313, let's read this. But woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in Let's break this down Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven Against men, for neither you go in yourselves, neither suffer ye than the entering to go in. Shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. What does this mean? It it means exactly what Jesus said before. Listen to what they do. Watch what they do. But don't follow what they do, right? Like in this sense, like, you know, um, I forget what the actual language is. Sorry, total brain fart there. But, right, like uh, um, watch what they do, but don't follow what they do, right? Like what they're doing is presenting actual divine information, but they're perverting it, distorting it. They think it's their own. They're not following the laws. They're being total hypocrites. So what is he saying? He's talking about Kabbalah here. This is what he's saying. He's talking about the holy sciences. They have the holy sciences. They do. But they're not following any of them. They're completely perverting and distorting God's holy word. And this is why Jesus had to come. Okay? So, shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. The kingdom of heaven, It's hiding the holy sciences. That's what it is. It's hiding Kabbalah. They understand, a lot of these Jews understand the you know, the, the divinity of, you know, number symbolism and geometry and the actual cosmology and blah, 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 blah. But they don't tell you. They don't go out and try to teach you. No, they lie to you. And so they shut up the holy sciences for men. Then they, ye neither go in yourselves. So they shut up the holy sciences. They shut out everybody. They don't teach anybody. And then they never go in and actually do the internal work that is required for you to allow Christ to rise within. Then they say, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. They are preventing people from understanding the divine. So they shut it up. They lie or whatever, right? They never do the internal work themselves. And then they prevent you from understanding that. Once again, another reason why I opened this church, because you need to understand these things. Because we've been in an entire generation, I, you know, of course, several generations now, where all of this stuff has been hid. And the churches, these Christian, allegedly Christian churches, which are like, oh, pro-Israel, they're saying, oh, Kabbalah bad, numerology bad. Co- true cosmology, ah, oh, you don't need to know that. Astrology, nonsense. They've fallen for it, just as we said. Just as Henry Ford said, by the way. The churches have been completely brainwashed by Jewish propaganda. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. So you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make a long prayer. What is pretense here? We'll see this in just a second. An attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. A claim, especially a false or ambitious one. So You devour widows houses and for a pretense you lie and then you pray about it this is what they're saying that's what he's saying you eat up women that have had their husbands they're dead so now the husband is usually the person that would make the money in the the family right so now and probably that they had their house on some sort of loan or whatever that sort of thing is right so the husband dies. The woman is left, you know, husbandless and can't make money and stuff like that. So instead of the Pharisee and the scribe going in and be like, we'll take care of you, we'll do the godly thing and we'll just make sure you have a home. No, they devour them up. And then when they devour them up, they pray about it. Think about that shit. And then Jesus tells them exactly what's up. Therefore, you shall receive the greater damnation. Do we have any of that thing? Like, Do we have any of that going on in our world, like devouring widows' houses? I don't know. You guys remember the housing crisis? The growth of the predatory mortgage lending, unregulated markets, a massive amount of consumer debt, the creation of toxic assets, the collapse of home prices, subprime mortgages, predatory lending, all of this stuff, the housing market was created and it fell because of jewelry. Because of merchants that were moving money around. (laughs) How, How was I supposed to give this sermon today without... Railing against the Jews and like I, this is why I made that whole like you know uh, that, that, um, disclaimer before this whole thing to YouTube, like you're going to keep this up because all we're doing is reading the Bible so you guys can all just shut your mouths. Ah, hate speech. No, 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 there's no hate going on here. Jesus is just explaining what's actually going on in our world. You devour widows' houses and then you pray about it. <clears throat> Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees 23, 15, hypocrites! For ye compass, sea, and land to make one proselyte, proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Let's read this again. For ye compass, sea, and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Pro- um, yeah, let's go here. Oh my lord, too many graphics, too many graphics. A uh, proselyte, right? A person um, to proselytize, right? A person who is converted from one opinion, religion, or party to another. So, th- what they're saying is they compass sea and land. They go all throughout the world and they try to convert people into what? What are Jews proselytizing? Satanism. Satanism. <sighs> That's exactly what he's saying. You go, you compass sea and land, and you convert people into your sick ideology and sick worldview where you devour widows' houses and then pray about it. That's what they're proselytizing. And then you have Christian churches that are saying, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi, oh, it's so amazing that you're talking about murdering children in Gaza. You're such a man of Christ. Speaking of Jews, proselytizing, satanism. What has happened to America? Why is America going to hell? What's going on, guys? Why is it all going to shit? Oh god, we've seen even in our own time the absolute moral and ethical decline and decay of our society. Is this just natural? Is this just what happens? No, it's what happens when Christianity declines. In the late 1970s, allegedly anyway, I don't know what the, how how true these numbers are, okay, whatever, right? But we do know that there has been a decline of Christianity, so throw whatever numbers you want at it. It's obviously been drastic and serious, right? So since the late 1970s, 90% of people in the United States thought, identified as Christian or, you know, <laughs> Christ-adjacent, if you will, right? So uh, here's another one. The, in the U.S., rapid decline of Christianity continues at, uh, at a rapid pace, right? Both Protestantism and Catholicism are experiencing losses of population share. I wonder why. I wonder why. Just as Henry Ford said, is because the Jew got a hold of the uh, of the church in, in, in doctrine, in literal in liberalism and so in so-called you know socialism and things like that. They pussified Christ is what they did. They made him this frickin' pacifist. He's like, oh, Christ loved everybody. Yeah, he did love everybody. It didn't mean, just like we love everybody here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. And no one will tell us any other way, you know, anything else. Christ loved all those people, but he called their ass out too. You can be firm with somebody and still love them. You can say, hey, you're being out of line and still love them. Hey, you can say, hey, you got yourself wrapped up in some demonism and I love you and I want you to stop. The reason things are going to shit is because Christ has left the hearts and minds of people in the United States, and if you're looking for any other, ish, any other reason, you're, you'll fall short. I'm here to tell you that. I've learned enough over the last 12 years. Jews are proselytizing Satanism, and that is why our world has gone to shit. And when they do that, this is what they said. <sighs> They make people twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Think about all those children right now that have eaten up Jewish propaganda and are cutting their tits off or cutting their penis off or taking drugs. It's a child of hell. That child is living in hell right now. And yes, the parents are to blame. We can talk about the internal and you know uh, the internal world is is obviously reflected in the external world. That's fine. But we also have to understand when we reflect in the external world, we say, hey, where did when did this demon get leaked in? So, again, Jesus not mincing words. Okay, we're gonna take a little break here. Um, Pass the basket around for all the people that do show up and. Listen to my fiery preaching, Bowen Energy's bitches. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I appreciate it. We appreciate it. There's nothing else like this on the web. There's not. I wish there were. I'm not saying that out of to exalt myself. I the reason we opened up a church is so we could create more of this. So we keep going with your support. It's that simple. So and we do, and uh, we appreciate all the people that do support and do have love in their hearts and show up here and say this is worth it. This is absolutely worth it, OK? Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app, and you can become a good bird at subscribe Store, subscribe star. And we do have snail mail, if you will. You can uh, send a letter, uh, check, anything like that, just to say, hey, we appreciate everything that we receive. We really do. So Nastic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. Sorry, there was another verse there, but I'm slightly out of tune, so I'll save you guys the earache. Okay, I really pre- we really appreciate everybody that does stop by and supports the academy here. Thank you all very much from the bottom of our hearts. Let's keep rocking. <laughs> Mental note, tune your guitar before the service. 2316, woe unto you, ye blind guides. You're blind. The third eye is just covered over with calcinated, right? Which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Of course, we want to be a creditor, not a debtor, right? You guys know that? That's a lo- that's, this is all law terms and stuff like that. Which, by the way, the word law is it's a, it's allegedly an acronym for land, air, and water. That all is Kabbalistically encoded. I'm going to do a whole sermon on that, just on the word law itself, what that means, what it's pointing to, that sort of thing. That's, uh, I hope to do that anyway. I'll tie it into something anyway. So we want to be the creditor, not the debtor, Right? So whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor, ye fools and blind. For what is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctify the gold? Once again, this is all esoteric. Completely esoteric. You're not talking about the actual temple, and there's gold in that temple, and then you swear by the gold. Of course, this is what the Jews are saying. It's like, well, oh, well, no, no, you're you you're a debtor because you're swearing by the gold of the temple. Well, what's the gold of the temple? What's the gold? It's the it's what this whole chapter is about. The divine spark that's within you, Christ Almighty, that's it, that is centered right within your heart. The cube gives us the geometric, uh, 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 like a symbol, if you will, to point out where that is. Okay, so ye fools and blind, what is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctify the gold? We know what the temple is, right? The temple is the human body. The human body is what? Per, it's uh, temporary. It's fleeting. It's passing. Up and gone like a fart in the wind, this thing is. You may get, what, 30, 40, 70, 80, 90 years on this plane, plane of existence in this flat stationary plane. And then what? It's gone. What remains, though? The gold in your heart, the eternal spark of God that never goes anywhere. Right? The gold of the temple, which do you sanctify? Which do, and then the Jews are like, ah, ah. Right? The Jews are saying, the temple and Jesus is asking him the question what's what's more the gold or the temple And then he, he reiterates this whole thing 23:18 and whosoever shall swear by the altar it is nothing but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it he is guilty what is the altar Change or cause to change in character or composition, typically in, an, in a comparatively small but significant way. That what it means to alter with an E. And it alters the table in a Christian church at which the bread and wine are consecrated. Communion. What is the altar? The altar is what? It's your head. It's where, it's literally where it's sanctified. It's your Golgotha. It's your it's your Cal, Calgary, right? So we have the energy within us, centered in our heart, if you will, goes up and down that spinal column, if you will. And it goes all the way up into the head ultimately to be what? Sanctified. Okay? So what's more important, the altar, you're actually skin and bone in your head, or the gold, the gift? What is that gift? Of course, the gift is the eternal life, and that's the eternal spark of divine that's within you. You fools and blind, for whatsoever is the gift or the altar that sanctify the gift. It's the gift. Whosoever there shall swear by the altar sweareth by it and all things thereupon. you're swearing instead of by the eternal divine spark of God within the eternalities, you're swearing by the temporary, the temporary. You're living in the world as opposed to what? Living in the, in the mind of Christ. okay? And this is what these Jews do. This is why they worship money. There it is. There's the altar and the gift, okay? And whosoever shall swear by the temple sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. So you swear by the temple, you swear by the altar, you're going to, that's who, that's, that's, um, what, do I, what do I say? That's what you'll be tied to, okay? But if you swear by what? Heaven and the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereupon, okay? And he shall, I'm sorry, let me let me actually read this, 23:22. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Okay, what is a swear? Now, people swear this basically means a promise. It's a vow. It's you're making a solemn statement or promise, undertaking to do something, or affirming that something is the case. So you're affirming, you're affirming that, ah, it's the temple, ah, it's the altar, it's my body, it's the head, it's this, you know. No, 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 it's none of that. It's the immaterial, metaphysical divine spark within you. That's the gift, that's the gold. That's what you identify with. woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment mercy and faith these ought these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone so basically what he's saying is okay will you you just like you're saying like you show up and you make everybody look like oh i'm paying the tithing i'm paying the 10% that's what a tithe is a 10% of uh, the mint and the anise and cumin and stuff like that so I'm showing up and I'm paying that. But they've admitted all the grace and the mercy and the truth because they don't have Christ, obviously, right? So they've admitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Why? Because they don't have Christ. They're just show, They're just there to show off. They're just there to make broad the garments. They're phylacteries. Look at me, Rabbi, Rabbi. 23, 24, ye blind guides would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. What does this mean? Well, in general, I think you can pretty much, you know, you can uh, extract the, you know, deduce the meaning from it, but it's basically to worry or think too much about something that's not important and then often forget about something that is much more important. So obviously, you strain at a gnat, you're concerning yourselves with things that are not that important, and swallow a camel, you forget about all the things you just swallow, you just don't even pay any attention to it all the things that are actually important. So this is cosmological. This is Musca, and it's Latin for fly. It's a small constellation in the deep southern sky. It's right near the southern celestial pole, if you will. And it's a fly. It's a gnat. Okay? The camel is Camelopardalis. And so there's musca on the top there, which is a gnat, it's a fly, and it's sitting right near the southern celestial pole. And then towards the top there, it's camelopardalis, and that's towards the north pole or the north star, Polaris, right? And that's what? This is heaven and hell. I'll show you that in just a second. So there's a swallow a camel, camelopardalis, strain at a gnat, musca. You strain at things in the southern hemisphere, and you don't pay attention to things in the northern hemisphere. Get it? Let me show you. So there's the Camelopardalis which is Polaris, which is what? It's pointing to that place that, that which we found all over the world little native tribes they all talk about this point is like literally the point where you go up and out of the material metaphysical beyond physical and metaphysical into literally a realm in which all words fail. Forget it, forget numbers, symbols, names, all of it fails. You have no more descriptors. It's done. That's what Polaris represents. Your reunification with God Almighty. A very place in our cosmology which you can look up into the sky and see it every night. Up there is a camel it's a giraffe, it's a camel, it's a leopard, but um, it's it's you know, so your camel so that's heaven. And then the gnat is what? It's the musca, it's hell. So let's read this again. You blind guides, you don't know your way through the stars. Which strain at a gnat, you concern yourselves with All the things of hell, all the things in the southern world, everything that's below us, and you don't give two shits about what's upstairs, you swallow a camel. Get it? (laughs) It's genius. It's fucking genius. It's just g. This is why I fell in love with this stuff, because that right there, my friends, is absolutely genius. This is exactly what he said Jesus was talking about in the last, I think it was the last one, where he talked about go find the people in the highways, right? Remember that? It was all it was the, the 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 parable of the wedding banquet, and he's just like go out and find all the people in the highways. Well, there's a highway and then there's a low way, and this is exactly what this is all about. You swallowed the camel to par Dallas, and you didn't give a shit about heavenly things. This is what I wrote on uh, Instagram here. To strain a gnat and swallow a camel is a phrase from Matthew 23, and generally means to worry or think too much about something that is not important, often forgetting about something that is much more important. The gnat in this phrase is the constellation Musca, and the camel is constellation Camelopardalis. The message from Christ becomes clear when you assign its proper cosmological symbols, when, you are not, when you're not blind and you can guide yourself through the heavens, if you will. The Jews, who Jesus is railing against, as you see in this entire chapter, focus intensely on bringing hell to earth, which is exactly what they do. They strain at a gnat, and they forget entirely the divinity of heavenly things. They swallow a camel. Once again, Jesus, our Lord and Savior Christ, batten a thousand. 23, 25, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites! For ye may clean the outside of the cup and platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Do I even need to explain that one? I think we get it. Outside, you're like, oh, I'm so for peace and love. And, and the inside, you're a ra- You're full of ravaging wolves, a den of vipers, wickedness. 23, 26, thou blind Pharisee, you don't see the light of Christ. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Once again, pretty, pretty straightforward. Your internal world is a damn mess. You're full of hate and cursing. But ex- externally, it's, Rabbi, Rabbi, oh, look at you. What went you, scribes and Pharisees? For ye are like unto whited sepulchres. What is a sepulchre? I think you guys know what a sepulchre is. It's a small room or monument cut into rock or built of stone in which a dead person is laid or buried. Listen to what Jesus says here. This is, I mean, this is harsh language, guys. Listen to this. What went you, scribes and Pharisees? For ye are like unto whited sepulchres. Inside, you're a monument in which dead people lay, but then you paint the outside white, pure and virgin which indeed appear beautiful outward. They even tell you specifically what it means but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Hey, all you songwriters out there, if you're a songwriter out there, if you ever want inspiration, just go to the Bible. There's so many lines like this, like full of dead men's bones. That's a great lyric right there. So you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. It's the same thing. He's just repeating it. Outside, you say one thing. Inside, you're doing another. Outside, you say yes. Inside, you mean no. And therefore, everything that cometh of you is evil. Twenty three, twenty eight. even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocr- uh, excuse me hypocrisy and iniquity. I mean, just calling it out. Let's, let's do a review of all the degeneracy of the Pharisees that we just found within, I don't know, five verses or whatever that was, right? So this is the degeneracy of the Pharisees and the scribes. Number one, what did they do? They omitted the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. They went out and act like they were about it, but then didn't do anything that was actually divine or godly or heavenly at all. They were full of extortion. They extort people. This is what the Jews specifically do to the Gentiles. They'll tell you this. Number three, excess, of course. What is porn? What is finance? What is having lots of money and 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 rolling around in it and that sort of thing? All the excess that they do, even, well, let me get into that. Vanity, of course. You cleanse the outside of your cup, but inside you're you're awful right? That's vanity. Inner, uh, inner uncleanliness in the internal world is a damn mess. Number five, hypocrisy. You say one thing and do another. This is once again why I said from now on, Jennifer and I have at least uh, have made a hard line where it's like, if you say yes, you better mean yes. Otherwise we don't want to hang out with you. Why? Because I'm following my savior. Pretty simple. Number six, iniquity, immorality. So these Jews are, they omitted the law, judgment, mercy, and faith are full of extortion, excess vanity, inner, inner uncleanliness, hypocrisy, and iniquity. Immorality. Once again, Jesus, not mincing words, being pretty damn harsh. Twenty-three, twenty-nine. woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, listen to this, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. If we would have been around, like just, this <laughs> is like Jews would today would say today or something like that. Well, if we would have been around, we wouldn't have killed Christ back in the day. Oh, yes, you would have. And then you, it even says in the book here, it says, Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets, You you are the children. You can say whatever you want. Like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. But you've learned your entire worldview from your fathers. You didn't listen to God. You listened to men. You followed the Talmud. That's who you're listening to. So, and that's who you are today. So back in the day, yes, you would have absolutely been killing the prophets. And then he says, and this is, of course, this is what he says 1st Woe Weren't you hypocrites? I think we've covered this enough times before, but um, what do you, you know, this is the Bible repeating this once again. This is not just like one (laughs) Matthew chapter 23, just some off chapter and where he gets really mad at the Jews. No, it's throughout the whole thing. This is what Jews are really scared of. Christians actually understanding their good book, because then they would make sense of the world, what's going on today, and then they would fix it. But apparently, I don't want to go on. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. The hypocrites, the hypocrites. Where you love, pray, standing in the synagogue so people can see you and say, Rabbi, Rabbi, look at how large your garment is. Hypocrites. It's all they are. Then he says this. What is he saying here? Pay, pay close attention. He's saying, oh, if you you are just like your father, Back in the day, when you were when they were killing the prophets, you would have done the same. And then he says this, twenty three thirty two: "Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Well, there's only one way: come to Christ. <laughs> That's it. So, what is he saying? Fill. You would have done the exact same thing as your fathers. You learned from your fathers." Now, he says, you fill ye up the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, you're a generation of vipers. What is this? This, my friends, is what's called a generational curse. And it's alive and well. We talked a few live streams ago about magic spells and words and what you say into the world and how it actually creates metaphysical demons this sort of sense when you when you you know what you speak what you create that sort of thing and that Jews for generations have been creating devils demons with their speech with their actions what they do their hypocrisy their iniquity this is what they've been doing then guess what then they they compass land and sea and they proselytize to get all of you to follow their demons and that that's a very real thing So then we say, well, Jews that are born into Judaism and and Jewry and following their fathers, what are they? They literally are caught up in a demonic spell. This is a generational curse. It's a very real thing. And guess why they wanted to pervert and distort the Christian doctrine so much? So that the next generation would have devils in their heads, a den full of vipers, Serpents. And they'd be like, yeah, it says in a book, Israel, so I I think we need to murder children. What? What? Eastern Orthodoxy says about ancestral sin or generational curses, some identify it as an inclination towards sin. Amen. heritage from the sin of our progenitors. That's exactly what's going on. Living the sins of our fathers, if you will. Ancestral sin is, they say in Eastern Orthodoxy, is removed through baptism. <laughs> you gotta come to Christ, Jews. In other words, ancestral sin, generational sin, ancestral fault. This is, a, this is a, an idea that has been known a very long time. I think we need to talk about it more. It's the doctrine that individuals inherit the judgment for the sin of their ancestors. It's exactly what's happening. Children are raised up by those fathers and mothers that are that are that are literally placing demonic ideas into their head, self right, self righteous, self important, sacred and profane ideologies in their head, and they're demonic. They actually this this demon in this sense, absolutely lives in the metaphysical realm. Do you know how ancient people um, personified those demons or symbolized those demons? constellations, guys. Why do you think there's Hydra and Hydras and Draco? And now look at all the cultures around the world, like the Grecian cultures, whatever. And how many heroes did you find fighting a serpent? What is this? That story is above. Hence why Jesus even told, you know, even gave you cosmological uh, or constellations, the gnat and the camel. What is a generational curse? Uh, It describes the cumulative effect on a person of things that their ancestors did, believed, or practiced in the past, and a consequence of ancestors' actions, beliefs, and sins being passed down. If you don't think that's happening, I don't think you know what's going on in the world. You know what I mean? Like, that's absolutely going on. And hence why I said it's so important to understand that you're a magician. Because the black magicians are going into those Christian churches that are, that are supposed to be white magicians, and they're creating more, what, a den of iniquity. This is why it's so important to understand magic, what it actually is, what it actually means, what the words are actually defined as. Because as we said in that live stream, this is happening all the time. You're doing it all the time. Matthew twenty three thirty four. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city <laughs> you're going to we're going i'm going to send you scribes and prophets and wise men what are wise men as we dis- as we discovered in that live stream wise men are magicians that's what it means that's why when th- that's why they were sent th- the wise men right with the three gifts to recognize if Jesus was the king of the jews they had to send three magicians in order to understand that, oh, yes, this is the light of the world. So I'm going to send you prophets, magicians, and people, scribes. Scribes that, at, once again, when you scribe, like, this is a reference to um, Kabbalah there, of course, too. But, and you're going to scourge them, kill them, persecute them in your synagogues from city to city. Just like it said earlier, it says, oh, we encompass, they encompass the land, both land and sea, and then proselytize the demons. This is exactly what Henry Ford was saying. In the world's foremost problem, a little book called The International Jew, where he said, international Jewry, Jews that go from land to land, they compass sea and land, and then they pervert and distort cultures, and they specifically hate Christ. Hence why we started this thing with Mark Brotherson saying, why is Christ venerated all the world? All over the world Christ is venerated. Because guess what? Buddha didn't take up a fucking sword and said, hey, it's those guys over there that are destroying your world. No offense, Buddha. Christ did that. Hence why he's adored around the world. From city to city, you compass land and sea. You spread your demonism everywhere. This is why we say we cannot coexist with these people. Most people I see lately, uh, you know, there's a lot of this thing that's going around like, if everybody just did this, if everybody would just, write, we can all live at peace and harmony and all of this other stuff, we all just get together and we all have to write. Guess what? That's not going to happen. Why? Because there are people that are, that are absolutely, you know, they have their minds and their hearts and the, the, the whole of their being inundated by Satanism. And they do not see you as equal. So while you are going around saying, I have a heart of love and I see everybody as equal, that's fine and dandy. That's fine and dandy and I love that. We love that. That means that hey, that's you got Christ within you, bro, and you're recognizing that. But what you're not recognizing and not being honest with, and I could say some names right now. I'm not going to. But you're not being honest with the fact that these people don't see this world the same way and there's nothing that you can do to change that. They once again, talking about your internal world of, you know, reflects your external world, that sort of thing, they have to go in and do the inner work. You can never do that for them. You can't do the inner work for other people. I think we all know that. So as we, as we live right now, can we coexist with people that literally want to spread black magic? No, we cannot. Because they see you as less than them. That's a hard truth. But it's the truth that has been spread throughout history. You can't coexist with a religion that hates you and wants you either dead or enslaved. That's a hard truth. But we're supposed to be truth seekers, right? We're supposed to be swallowing hard truths. Well, it's time to take a, you know, a big swig of milk and swallow this one. Once you find out how wicked they are, you have two options. That's the options we have right now. You either speak out or you become complicit in the death of your country, your traditions, your heritage, and your people. It's either warrior or coward. What are you going to be? You either put on the six pieces of the armor of God and take your sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and you cut through the bullshit of this world, or you'll die by that sword. There's no other way around it. You know why? Because history tells us this. This whole chapter is about the fact that Jews do not see you as equal, If you, want to become, if you want to become a member of Judaism, do you know what it takes? The period of study to become a, a Jew, if you're a Gentile and want to become a Jew, is, this period of study varies greatly. In general, the range is from six months to a year, although there are variations. Sometimes it takes longer than that. Many Gentiles preparing to marry someone Jewish go through this process early so as to get married in a Jewish ceremony. A period of one year is common to convert to J- Judaism, although individual rabbis' requirements, they, va- they, they vary. So we might let you in, we might not let you. It's going to take a year for you to prove to us. Then you have to go to three rabbis, and then they'll say whether or not you're getting into heaven, I guess, or whatever. Hmm, interesting. Who can come to Christ? Anybody. Anytime. What do I mean? Every, as Jesus responds to J- John 6, 40, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him. If you look to the sun <laughs> and you believe in the almighty god god the the one true god not the not the god that the jews worship the one true god is going to be like okay it's oh you you mean it oh you're genuine oh you actually want this through, through with with all of your heart of course he, jesus didn't come down he's like well you're going to have to do some study it's going to be 3 years and you're going to have to go through a couple rabbis nope You see the problem here? One religion, very exclusive. The other, not so much. And this is the whole point. And this is the question I want to focus on. It's really the only question that I'm concerned with moving forward. And I think if people are not concerned with this, they're talking talking about things and dancing around issues. The chosen people, the Jewish people, have expressed the idea that they have been chosen by God as his special people. We all know this. The term implies that the Jewish people have been chosen by God to worship only him and to fulfill the mission of proclaiming his truth among all the nations of the world. This is literally what Jesus is saying. They're going all the day, they're compassing land and sea and proselytizing what? The devil. So it will always boil down to one question in the truther movement Do you see me as equal? Because I could get in a room with Arabs and Hindus and atheists and, and b- black people and white people and men and women and all this other shit. Give me a, a smorgasbord, a, a diversity of diversity of people except a Jew. And you know what's going to happen? Chances are if you put all those people in the room and you say, do you see everybody in here as equal divinely and physically? Not physically, of course, we have physical differences, but divinely inside. Does everybody here have that divine spark? The people I surround myself with say, of course, of course. But Jesus Christ, not Marty Leeds, not Brother Marty Leeds or whatever. Jesus Christ is telling us that, well, guess what, guys? I have to, I have to cut a whole chapter here, 23 in red letters, to let you know that there are people and you're not going to change their opinion. Because once again, it's an internal work. And those Jews have a lot of internal work to do. We all do. So it will, so this is the question I want to have. You invite me on your podcast, this is the question I want to have. Let's talk about the people that do not see each other as equal. Let's go from there. What about Building 7? Don't give a fuck. What about the lies of history? Don't give a shit. What about Tartaria? Who cares? Right in the here and now, do you see me as equal? Or do you not? Because that's what I'm talking about. Democrat, Republican, don't give a shit. This is the conversation that we need to have. I'm gonna have it. This is why Jews throughout history have been put into slums, into pogroms. There's a there's an explanation for this. Because we cannot coexist with a people that don't see you as equal. It's that simple. And that's why I said make pilgrims great again. Oh, it's so terrible. I don't think so. I don't think so. We survived the gas chambers. We'll survive your gaslighting too. Love the Jewish people. Well, Jews, the Christian people have something to say to you. We survived kicking your ass out of 109 countries. We'll survive doing it again too. Why? Because we have Christ within us. Twenty-three, thirty-seven. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them, are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Jerusalem, right? So it's the city of peace. O oh, the city of peace. The city of peace that <clears throat> kills prophets. <laughs> Whoa, what, what, what? All right? I have gathered together thy children just as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. But you did not. Why? Because you're a chicken that puffs out his feathers and doesn't see all these other hens as equal. And hence why, he says, 2338, behold, your house is left unto you desolate, empty, nothing in it but rats and frickin' cockroaches, This is uh, essentially the Jews puffing out their feathers, broadening their garments, the phylacteries, and going into the marketplaces so everybody can be like, Rabbi, Rabbi, oh, puffing out your feathers to make you look bigger than you actually are. And down there, that's Christ. That's Christ gathering together the flock and protecting them. (laughs) And then it ends with this. For uh, I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh. <clears throat> In the name of the Lord. There it is again. Ending the entire chapter with what we talked about two live streams ago. Magic. The magic spell. Well, he spent this entire chapter just railing against the Jews. You, you, we all saw it together here. And then he ends with, well, you know what? You're not going to be blessed until what? You come in the name of the Lord. Why? Because that name is unbelievably powerful. It's it's the thing that actually breaks black magic spells. That's what this whole chapter is about. Jews thinking that they're better than everybody and puffing up their feathers... And saying, "Look at me, I'm superior." And then we have Christ, the truth, the way, and the life that says what's actually there. Oh, we're all little hens, we're all little little pecking birds, and we need that that master hen, if you will, to the master which is Christ, to uh, to protect us, and that's what will give us our protection. And if you and if you come in the way, in the name of the Lord, you will be. Just like those hands, you'll be a good bard. You will be a good bard. All right. Thank you all for listening to me rant today, because that's really what this was. Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Had to do it justice. You, you read it along with me. You saw how harsh those words were. That's not some pacifist Christ coming in and be like, well, I guess we should just let them be. No. No. You read it there. Red letter just reaming and railing against the Jews and that's why we had to do it. So if you'd like to become a good bird you can become a good bird at Subscribestar, you can become a phoenix bird, an akila bird, a bird, or you can become Tom of the Pima bird, that's right. All right and of course we do have snail mail. You can make uh, uh, donations if you want or just send a letter, whatever you'd like to do. Gnostic Academy 7781, County Road 3440, Mountain View, Missouri 65548 and of course we do PayPal, we do Venmo, Buy Me A Coffee, Cash App, Subscribestar. I haven't looked once at the chat today, um, so I hope you're all doing well. I've just been completely focused on this message. So we like to say uh, thank you to Content Safe. I was killing it for us, getting us on Odyssey and uh, BitShoot and that sort of stuff. And we do have accounts on uh, we're all on, on all the podcasting places. Like um, I don't even know what they are: Spotify, Podbean, Apple Music, something. But then yes, we do have accounts on BitShoot, Rumble, um, Odyssey. But the best places to get it are Rumble, Rockfin, and YouTube. Okay, because that's we're trying to stream from there every week now. So uh, you can also get this at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon and Zodiac app. That's right. The Sunday sermons are there and you can get the app and find out that your earth is (coughs) flat and stationary and you can find your friends on it. It's amazing. You can go to the church store as well and support the fine work that we do. Um, Lots of things. So I also want to say thank you to Daniel Hager, who sent us. Look at this. I'm a fan of cake and gold, but he sent silver and pie. And I'll take it. So awesome. Thank you so much. I forgot to say thank you uh, last time for uh, this. So I really appreciate that. And um, I think we have some donations. I think my wife's sending them to me. Um, yes, she is. Uh, all right. We'd like to say thank you. We got some uh, um, We got some mail. Bruce Hutton. Um, thank you so much, Bruce. I sent uh, two checks. Uh, thank you. Uh, he was like, well, I know it's not much. Hey, we really appreciate it. Anything you send, any just even a letter, we appreciate it. Teague Mackin sent a card. Thank you so much, Teague. Uh, we really appreciate it. Love you, brother. Daniel Hagar, Whiskey. Whiskey, thank you so much. I think we forgot to thank you last week because we are completely scattered right now and all over the place. So we Thank you so much. Valerie Gutierrez, thank you. Deb and Mike McNally, mom and dad, thank you so much. They're watching our dogs, and we really couldn't do this right now with, without them, so... Um, I couldn't do any of this shit without them. My parents have been unbelievable, an unbelievable support network over the years. So thank you so much, Lee and John Steele, our neighbors. We love you guys so much. Adam, Mr. Permi Bear, and all the crew over at Legacy, repair and remodel. We thank you guys so much. They're really killing it for us and helping us out as we go here. So, um, we really appreciate that. Let me get this on the here. There we go. Let's do that. Um, Super chats. Andrew Masonette. Good morning, all you lovely people here in church. Good to see you, Andrew. Truth be spoken. Truth being spoken here. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Small axe missed the past three weeks live, but watched them all numerous times since. So good. Thank you, Small axe. It's good to see you, Luca. Andrietta. Twelve dollars in memory of my beloved son Tristan. Oh, we're sorry for the loss of your son. May God uh, may God bless you and and. Uh, be uh, be easy on his journey. Much love to you, Luca. Um, Janine Grassi, love you both so much. Thank you. Alan Woodward, thank you so much for crushing Matthew chapter 22, Cor- Corby Olson. I think this was last week. Daniel Hagar, once again, thank you so much. John Vina, the true seeker. Oh my Lord. And again, John Vina, Jared Poole. Oh my God, thank you so much. Crushing it as always. James Dwayne, thank you so much. Benjamin DeForge, you're the man, Corby Olson. And we had some on Venmo. Oh, thank you, Andrew Sutherland. Sunday, eleven five, kicking ass and taking names. Krista, thank you for the Sunday service. Thank you so much, Krista. Jennifer McLaughlin, thirty three, seventy seven. Awesome. More enlightenment. Thank you, brother Marty and sister Jen. You are welcome. Robert Questenberry, uh, thank you so much. David Weiss, I can't resist scanning a QR code. It's an OCD issue. I understand, Dave. We understand your issues, Dave. I have many of them myself. Alex Meter, $20 for Sunday. Thank you. Anna Medina, good to see you. Thank you so much. Eric Cosell, $25, thank you so much. Oh, we had some PayPal too. And we also have the Good Birds and Subscribe Star. And we're gonna thank, we're gonna make a do, master donation list to put that on the Telegram group for all the people. David McDonald, Gavin Cross, Kurt Dingle, Bruce Parson, Joshua Croft, William Christie, uh, Jeremy Hines. If you get down. And choral every day. You're saying prayers to the devil, I say. Ha ha nice, thank you. And then that's awesome. William Christie also said, Good luck with the yurt and your fiberglass face. Yes, my face is a damn mess right now. It's been an unbelievable nightmare, but we're a good we're we're making it through it, right? All things with the power of God we can do. Okay, that's going to do it. Guys, thank you so much. We're going to play a song by, uh, his name is Uncle Larry Tom Bukovac, and he has a channel called Homeschooling 101 on YouTube, and I'm pretty much obsessed with this channel. If you're a guitar player, this guy is the shit. He's an unbelievable guitar player. And so we're going to listen to a song that that he uh, wrote. So, All right, that's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you um, next week. Where I think we're just going to continue on with math, the the book of Matthew because I'd like to finish that up before um, before the new year, uh, before Christmas actually, so that we can cont- uh, continue on with the book of Mark. Because uh, bo- uh, excuse me, not the book of Mark, the book of John. Excuse me, stumbling over my words. Book of John. We're going to continue on. With, so, okay, that's going to do it, guys. Thank you so much. Oh wait, I got to do this. I got to do my my ending, my proper ending. <laughs> May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your support. Uh, It means the world to us. All right. Uh, This is a beautiful song, by the way. Very beautiful song, so I hope you enjoy it. All right. Um, That's going to do it. Guys, be good to one another out there, okay? Um, And we will see you next week. All right. As always, many blessings and much love to all. Driving around your street Lately I put roses at your feet but Remember back when